before we were called to serve here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church in North Chesterfield, we served a little over 16 years in the Atlee area of Hanover County at our former church. And if some of you have been up that way, you know that each summer uh, around the 4th of July, the county puts on the Hanover Tomato Festival. Raise your hand. Any of you all been up there? Some of you have eaten, been up there to get some of those delicious Hanover tomatoes. Thousands of people come every summer and squeeze down those old rural roads to get to the fair, to get to the uh, place where the festival is is located. It's at the, the park up there, and they have, well, of course, ripe, fresh Hanover tomatoes. You can get tomato sandwiches with the Wonder Bread and the and the Miracle Whip or Dukes, as some of you might prefer, and enjoy that big tomato sandwich. Uh, tomato pie, uh, salsa, uh, tomato sauce for your pasta. And you might say, Pastor, can you do the benediction? It's time for lunch. <laughs> Good eating. And the festival has all kinds of vendors uh, and booths. There's crafts for the children and all kinds of things. So I think our daughter Isabella was four or five years old, and our outreach team decided to rent a space at the tomato festival and put up a tent, and then uh, uh, with our volunteers would hand out bottles of water and stickers and children's crafts, things from Vacation Bible School, and we also had a prayer box there, much like our prayer box here in, in our narthex and around the church where people could fill out prayer requests and put them in the little slot, and then the, the deacons uh, would pray over those when they got back to the church. One of the things that uh, we also gave out Bibles uh, throughout the day for anybody who wanted one. One of the, the things, though, that was the biggest hit was the Freezy Pops. We did not know this, but the county or the people who organized the festival situated our space directly across from the giant slide in the children's area. And the line from the slide extended across the pathway where people walk back and forth to our tent. And all day long, we gave out free bottled waters and freezy pops and whatever else we had to the people as they stood in line in that hot, humid summer day in July to wait on the big slide. It was a wonderful day. None of us expected that we would have that many people come to our tent. Well, some people wanted to know how much the water or the freezy pops cost. How much do we owe you? How much is that? And we would say, it's free. There, there's no cost. Our church, uh, provide that. God bless you. Have a great day. N no strings attached, you know. But some people had a difficult time understanding why we would give those things for free. You see, in our world, when something is advertised as being free, there's usually a catch. There are strings attached. 
it's not really free. It's a bait and switch trying to get you to sign on the line and then hit you with high interest payments after the free has gone by. Or there's a timeshare to purchase. Or two more years of monthly payments on that phone that was supposed to be free. People are skeptical, and rightly so, in our consumer kind of economy. Today's reading from the prophet Isaiah, though, offers free soul food, life-giving water, and the richest of fare to all who hunger and thirst, to all who accept the invitation to come and eat and drink will be satisfied, and there is no catch, no strings attached. Just come and listen and hear and seek and receive the water and bread of life. Isaiah's message is that we won't be able to keep this to ourselves, rather that we would be compelled to share this good news with others, to invite others to, as the psalmist has said, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. This chapter, Isaiah 55, comes to us within a larger section of the writings attributed to Isaiah, and this is called, it's usually called Second Isaiah or Deutero-Isaiah. A, a section comprising chapter 40 through 55. And it's a striking contrast to the first 39 chapters. Chapters 40 through 55 offer a vision of hope and restoration to a nation suffering under Babylonian exile where the former chapters warn them of that judgment and exile which is coming. Second Isaiah, written near the end of Babylonian exile. Recall that the Babylonians defeated the Israelites and they were taken captive and would suffer for some 70 years under Babylonian rule. Harsh punishment, bondage, slavery. They would recall their foremothers and fathers who were enslaved by the Egyptians for some 400 years. And God delivered from them from that as you know your Bible history but God's people would obey and then fall away from him. And he would redeem them and restore them. And in the same pattern, so God allowed them to be taken captive under the Babylonians. But the message of God was still that of hope. And these chapters provide that hope to these people who are suffering. Chapter 40 starts off with these words. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for or her sin has been atoned for. And chapter 55 ends with the hopeful promise, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst in song before you with all the trees of the field who will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Let me encourage you to read through this section of the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 55. 
It is a wellspring of hope for the weary and the burdened. One writer says that in every pew there is a broken heart. And I know that on any given Sunday, many who come and are part of our worship are hurting. Something hadn't gone right. Weary and burdened. And I pray that these words would speak life and hope into you. I know how much of a blessing, a blessing these words can be. I use my NIV study Bible for my daily Bible reading and my sermon preparation week in and week out. And I have a plastic tab, if I can show you this one, a little plastic tab in my study Bible at home at Isaiah chapter 40. And when I sit down in the morning to begin my quiet time, I begin with these words from that chapter. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When my dad was in the ICU with COVID in July of 2020, I read him these words. When he moved to hospice, on what would be the last day of his life. I read him those words. I wrote them on the whiteboard across from his bed. We read it at his funeral. And I read it every day. I feel close to my dad when I read those words. But those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. These words bring healing and hope to the hurting. They are spiritual food for our souls, for my soul. Maybe some of you for your soul. Plus, they were especially meaning to us because we're Philadelphia Eagles fans and the verse has eagles in it. So that's always been something a little extra in this passage. But Isaiah 55, part of this whole section was spiritual food to the, for the souls of God's captive people who had experienced nearly 70 years of Babylonian captivity. They were aliens in a strange land. Soon God's deliverance would bring a new social and moral order for these returned exiles as they would be granted permission to come back to their homeland and to reestablish their worship and to reconstruct their temple and to begin their lives again. This was made possible by the gracious transforming power of the Lord God. And all they had to do 
was receive it. The invitation was there. Come to all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come who, those of you who have no money. Come buy and eat. It is free for the asking. All they had to do was receive it. But there was one major problem that the Hebrew people had to overcome. They were in captivity and they were immersed in the language and the economy and the culture and the social order and in the paganism of the Babylonians. They were tempted by all the luxury and the indulgences that were around them. And many of them took on some of these unhealthy and sinful practices of their environment, including the exploitation of those who had little to nothing to themselves. And the message in Isaiah 55 to Israel, to the Hebrew people, is this. You're going to go back to where you were, and it's going to be better than it was before. And God's life-giving words are going to help you to be restored and to flourish in all aspects of your natural and social and family and religious and economic life. If you'll accept the invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. All you who have no money, come without cost to drink and eat. This message, ancient as it is, is also applicable to us who are Christians in this world. For we are strangers in a foreign land. One writer says it this way, God invites us to a new and better feast than the table scraps the world can offer. God invites us to a new and better feast than the table scraps that this world can offer. Listen, and let's make some application. All we have to do is accept the Lord's invitation. It's freely offered. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. There's no hindrance. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Take your mind off of the indulgences and the excesses of the things that are around you in Babylonian exile and know that I am all you need and there's no cost. I will provide for you. And then he says, listen, listen, eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of the richest of fare. If you'll trust me, the Lord says. And he embeds this in the context of God's covenant that was made long ago. In verse 3b, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised it to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commandment, commander of the peoples. And you will begin to reach out to nations you know not. And the covenant that God made through David was a covenant that was rooted in Sinai. And that covenant was rooted in God's covenant with Abram. And that covenant rooted in the covenant with Noah. 
And all of that rooted in the covenant of God as creator who created us in his image to be his people, to steward the earth and to take care of it. And the new covenant that we understand has come through Jesus Christ is part of that same overall covenant. There's not a break in it. God has never once gone back on God's promises to us to love us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to restore us, and to provide for us. And verses 4 and 5 of this passage help um, us to have the desire to tell other people, to invite others to experience the goodness of God. Verses 4 and 5, I have made him, meaning David, a witness to the peoples. And then verse 5, I will... Uh, you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And I believe that today when people are able to see a true, genuine difference in us as opposed to people who are not Christians in the other parts of, of where we live in the world, that they will desire, perhaps even want to come running to the Lord to give their life to him and to be part of what God is doing because they see the joy that it brings those who genuinely love Jesus. We are to be his witnesses. Luke writes in Acts 1.8 that we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end, ends of the earth. And that like Jesus shared with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, that we are to, to seek to uh, draw living water and to share that with others and that we follow God's simple commands to love God and to love others. A new command I give you, says Jesus, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And there's so much hate in this world. And we know that we can overcome hate and evil with good if we simply love one another. Church, if we love one another, people will see that radiant glow as we are out in the world. And we're to share that with other peoples who are not ours, uh, uh, like us, people who may believe differently or dress or talk differently than we do. Because Jesus said, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are his witnesses. And I believe as we seek God's vision for the future of Huguenot Road Baptist Church, that will be one of the key things that we've got to work on is being his witnesses. As we have um, been through a lot of the studies and the feedback that you have shared, one of the things that we, uh, and it's no fault of anybody's, but we haven't been so good in our outreach we love it when people come and when they're like us, but um, often we are not out there inviting, extending the invitation to, uh, to, uh, to people to know who Jesus is and to love him and that he loves them. And so I pray this is one area where God will help us to, to grow and to be strengthened, that we could truly be God's witnesses on this earth. But all of this, there is one thing that's required that we return to the Lord not only return but we turn to the Lord in repentance 
verses 6 and 7. Listen. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near, and he can be found, and he's right with us. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Let us turn to the Lord, for he will have mercy on us. Let us turn to our God, for he will freely pardon. And that's called repentance. Repentance involves a change of direction from the way we were walking to walking with the Lord. An acknowledgement of my wrongdoings and an honest apology to God and others to seek God's face, His grace and His mercy that I could walk anew with Him and not be held back by my old ways. We, When we repent, the Hebrew word is shuv and the New Testament word is metanoia. It literally means an about face like a soldier will do when, they about fa- when they're in marching. They about face and head the entire different direction. And when we say we're sorry, it's genuine and it must be honest and not with a condition. Sometimes we'll say, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings or I'm, I'm sorry if you're sad. No, no, um, I am so sorry for my actions and my behavior. I'm so sorry for the hurt that it has caused you Please forgive me. And God, please forgive me. I repent in the name of Jesus and help me to uh, walk anew with you so that I don't go uh, back down uh, that old pathway like I did before. Though we drink and eat in this new reality without cost, these are some of the demands that God makes on us that we must be willing to turn from our old ways, to uh, abandon unrighteous thoughts, so that we are free to respond to the invitation to the banquet of grace. That's what the lost son did when he ended up in a foreign land, had spent everything his father had given him, and the pigs were eating better food than he was. And he decided to return to his father and apologize. And his father, as you know the story in Luke 15, received him with open arms and hugged him and kissed him and had a banquet to celebrate that his son who has died was now alive and his son who has lost is now found. That's the kind of repentant action that God is seeking from us. And God's word assures us this is true. Verses 10 and 11, So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song for you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. God's word will not return to him empty. God's word assures us that these promises are true, and they are trustworthy indeed. And this is not for us. This is for his glory. This will be for the Lord's renown or as a monument or a marker unto the Lord and establish an everlasting sign that will endure forever. The kingdom of God endures forever. His love endures forever. 
Jesus invites us to this kind of life. When he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Greek word translated life is zoe. Zoe life, not bios life, like biological life, like a person's living. Zoe life is the God life. And Jesus says, I have come and I've given the invitation that they might have the Zoe life and have it in abundance. All of the inheritance that is promised to us by God for being his children comes to us. For those who rich, uh, 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 receive this rich invitation to come to the water and drink and receive the bread of life. I pray that if you are not a Christian and that you've never committed your life to become a follower of Jesus Christ, that this message today would be helpful to you as you take steps toward making that decision. The invitation is free and is without cost. All God asks is that you say yes to his invitation. Would you pray with me?